Well, just in time for Christmas. Here in the Netherlands, we have, uh, I, th- I, I don't know if they call it a hard lockdown, because I don't think they arrest you uh, if you leave your house. There's no official curfew. But, you know, all the stores are closed. Uh, at uh, Wait. No, the, all the- non-essential stores are basically closed. Now, it did say in the, the story that I read that you can order your stuff and pick it up and return it, you know, like if you schedule it, right? Yeah. And the grocery stores, of course, I think they're open till 8 or 5. I don't wow. really know. And pharmacies. And uh, what else is an essential store? You got, you got pharmacies, grocery stores, attorneys. Store? No, no. Attorneys. Whoa. No, what if you have a what if you have yeah. a plumbing emergency? Well, that like people coming to your house as a whole, it's a store, like a place that you go, right? Right, but I mean, like you know, your Home Depot, Lowe's type places. Uh, I think you can go pick it up. Maybe I think that's. Yeah. I think that's I how think that's going to collect. Go. Makes sense. Yeah. Now th- there is. I don't know how it is in other countries. I mean, I know how it is in the states oh. or America, as they say. But there's another role here called a notary, uh, yeah. and they can be open now. A notary in the states is just like. Not um, not a big deal. A notary is like you go stand in front of someone, you show them your driver's license, you sign a thing, and they stamp it, and you're out, right? Whereas, like, a notary here, when we went to go buy our house, you go to a notary, and it's, like, a big fucking deal. I mean, this dude had, like, taken a shower and shaved, and he was living over in the, the museum district, a big old fancy expensive house with the crenellation shit and molding on the top, and uh, he reads through your whole mortgage— uh, more or less, and someone translates it for you because we're we're Americans, and uh, you pay them a lot of money, and it's like a big notary is a whole other story around here. I don't know what that is, but but they can remain open, and I think I think maybe there's a few other things uh, that can remain open, but everything else is shut down. Why is the notary? Because that's like how business transacts. You must have the signatures or something. Is that what yeah, yeah? Oh. I mean, I, I mean, because you know, Brandon, commerce stops for no man, right? Or woman or or plague. And right. so, I, I mean, it's, I mean, I can see that like now you're, the question might be why are accountants not open? Mm. Right. I don't know. Do we, I don't, do we need them right now? They don't seem like, pr- but I, they, but I, it seems like commerce will happen without accounts. I suppose, I, I mean, I suppose there are major elements of life that if you don't have an attorney, uh, you might as well catch the COVID and die. Right. Like, I mean, like, for example, if, the, if you're like, uh, you need to like defend yourself. Immigration. Gotta, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to have attorneys. That's just like yeah. a facet of life. Um, so uh, I think I'm trying to remember what we did last year, but I feel like it was very similar. So I don't know. It's starting to become like a Christmas tradition. It's, it's a season. Yeah, it's, it's like a Christmas tradition. Um, yeah. Well, we, we uh, over here in, in Australia, uh, we got ourselves a new uh, equivalent of a governor. And I think he migrated from Texas. Um, <laughs> we just had three days in a row of the highest ever COVID cases right oh, after man. they opened everything up. I mean, uh, and he, and, and, and like they started spiking up right before, I mean, no more masks there. And now he's like, Australians just need to stand up together. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Can I get some prayers and, and thoughts and prayers on this? Uh, I mean, cause he's just like, I'm not even going to ask people to wear masks anymore. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, before we had lockdowns and stuff. Which, and- which, uh, which, which government person is this? Is this prime minister? What what level of your government it's, is this? It's the premier. It's kind of like the governor. So, so Australia states have a lot more power over the people. So, oh, so it's like Texas. 
Yeah, yeah. And and we have a new governor. Our old governor, she resigned because of some corruption stuff. And, right. you know, but she was she was very uh, moderate and uh, down with science. And this guy, he not so much. <laughs> well, well, I, I want I want to check in here. First of all, let me let me update it. I went to go look it up. There's a few that's missing here, but essential services in the Netherlands, gas stations, check, big check yeah. right there, right? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Got to have that, right? Pharmacies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds meds. good. Got to have your meds. Yep. Uh, notaries and attorneys, as noted, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, this one is, it takes some imagination, but I can get behind it. Driving schools. Mm. Ooh. Uh, I see. I, right I, on that. Feels like he's late on that. I thought you were going to take the Australian angle and be like, the bottle shops. Those were essential. Stayed open the whole time. You in Amsterdam, you've got the coffee shops. Are those essential? Well, yeah, because because you can you can order ahead and pick things up. Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. Now, actually, in my article, they don't say what the red light district is up to, but I imagine they're closed. They right. closed that in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, now, okay. My my second question, Matt Ray. Now. When it, you said some sort of um, uh, corruption, what was the corruption? <laughs> oh, Gladys. Um, so, so Gladys, our, our premier, that's what they call the, the governor here. Um, like DJ had, premier? Exactly. Um, more like DJ Khaled. But um, anyway, uh, she, she, <laughs> she had uh, a consensual affair. She, she, was, she wasn't married, neither was he, with another MP, a member of parliament. And a couple of contracts went to his district that didn't get mm. a lot of review. And so the uh. corruption people wanted to start reviewing it. And she's like, you know, I'm out of here. You know, you can't. And then yeah, you know, they started yeah. they started digging into her, her texts and stuff. And it's it's salacious. It's a little corrupty, but it's not Texas corrupty, right? It's not. Recently, it was affair. It sounds like neither neither person was married. There was so the, yeah, neither one of them was married. But they not really even it. an affair, just a, a right. consensual well, relationship. Yeah, but they kept it mm. quiet because they Got didn't it. want the, the appearance of improprietary, and then the improprietary <laughs> happened, right? That's right. Always good to keep the appearance of improprietary uh, down when you're being uh, performing improprietary type things. Got it. <laughs> so, so good. yeah. So, she, she stepped down, and uh, she was from the moderate side of the, uh, the, the liberal party, which is conservative, and was replaced with, you know, a far right wing guy who likes to retweet tw- Trump stuff, that kind of. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's uh, a uh, you know good job. That's <laughs> that's how that goes. We we miss Gladys. We were willing to overlook the corruption. This new guy, not so much. That's a good name, Gladys. My mom, uh, one of her best friends, is named Gladys, and that's a name that I don't think is very popular anymore. Like I have not encountered anyone named Gladys recently. Okay. All right. Well, I just want to I mean, I want to float this idea out for maybe for the next year is that like maybe if you are a centrist and you have some minor, quote unquote, corruption, let's just agree (laughs) that it's cool. Right. Like (laughs) like it's all right. Like I think I think maybe what we should do is like like um, you should be allowed. I think we should pass some kind of like, let's see, some sort of monetary maximum corruption limit. Right. And then also some kind of like fellation that is, is no, what's the word? Uh, philandering, some kind of yeah. philandering, like maximum limit. And it's just sort of like, hey, we're not going to give you what's a what, what is uh, how much would it cost to buy a fully loaded um, 
Escalade you? in Sydney, Matt Ray. <laughs> 100,000. So let, like, like, let's say you get an Escalade's worth of corruption. Now, we're not going to just give you an Escalade, right? And this can be like a custom Escalade with like cream interior, black <laughs> They actually outside. don't have those here. They're not, they're not legal, but this whatever. Is, keep this keep is, going. This is, this is my point. It would be very expensive to get an Escalade, <laughs> right? And so like you get, you get fully cream interior, right? Oh, Leather, of course. You're going to oh, get like cream. DVDs on the back the of the seats. Yeah. You're even going to get the DVD players on the cargo area. Right. Oh, yeah. No problem. Right. That's how Gladys rolls. We're going to put some big racks on top for like your surfboards or whatever kind of bullshit y'all have over there. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're going to have gigantic rims, like under lighting, whatever it takes. Right. Yes. Let's 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 throw in two hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Right. And that is basically, again, the government is not going to give you that money. But if it is found that you have <laughs> committed corruption, up to the price of a totally kitted out Escalade, it's cool, right? And, wow. I, and I, think, I think also you are allowed, for whatever your term is, it's either your term or two years, whichever is graded. If you are a centrist, you are allowed some phila- one philandering act. That's it, right? And Ooh. in excess now, of now, that. Now, 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 do you go to the party leader and you're like, I got to vote against this because I got a little something going on, on the side. No, no, no. There's, there's no vote. What happens is, I think uh, you got, you have a prime minister there, right? Or no, yeah. no, no. I got it. I got it. Because you're in the Commonwealth still, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Queen basically gets on TV and she's like, "It's fine." You know what the alternative <laughs> is? <laughs> and then you're cool. The alternative is Boris Johnson, <laughs> right? And so, and so, like the Queen is like, "Hey, I don't know if you've kept up with the news around here, but that dude does not even comb his hair." So it's fine, <laughs> right? Oh. Now, if you exceed these limits, then, you know, you have to accept, like, a right-wing person who is just going to, oh. like, you know, infect the whole, the whole state. Yeah. Christy, I feel like this is a variation of uh, uh, David Plotz of the uh, political gap. That is exactly where, who I was thinking about. Where he is uh, very much in favor of bringing back pork barrel spending because yep, he believes yep. like, that's how things get done. Like if you don't oh, have sure. pork barrel spending, like just nothing can get done. I, so, I was I totally like channeling the plots right there. You yes. are. You're kind of taking it more to like the uh, the social uh, behavioral side, though, whereas I think he was just sort of uh, – so. So I don't know. You're following in footsteps, maybe here. Following in footsteps of greatness. That's I don't right. know. And, and I and I think I'm going to add one more thing. I may think of some stuff in the episode, but you are allowed one three week period where someone went and read your entire Twitter archive, like whatever's in there. <laughs> if you're a centrist, it's fine. The Queen comes on TV. She's like, "Yeah, those are pretty terrible, but it's okay, right? Okay. Like that that was that was a long time ago. You know, they thought it was a joke. I know it's not a joke. I know it's not good." But the alternative is going to be worse. So let's just let it slide. I, I, so these I are the that's... new rules. Is, is this now? Now is it? Uh, I don't know if I can leave now. But is this something I could I could book business class for to come over and suggest to your your government system over there, Matt Ray? <laughs> uh, the borders are slightly open right now. That, this, that's the other thing. It's like you know, different states have different rules, and New mm. South Wales, where it's all new management, man. Anything goes. I think I think this is I'm going to add a, a final rule. If you break the COVID rules and and you're a centrist, you can do that once a year. If you invite like one more person to the birthday party than you're supposed to, you don't have to resign if you're a centrist. Everything's cool. Today's show is sponsored by Strong DM. 
Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. Eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by your peers at Peloton, SoFi, Yext, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. But who believes in ad? Check out StrongDM for yourself with a no BS demo. Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, there's been a lot going on in, uh, what was this, 2021? Oh, that's going to be so weird. 2022. Strange, strange times. But I think, I think uh, as always, Brandon has pulled together a good list of the stories of the year, which I will now read, but I want to give him credit. Now, I, I want to go over these things. I'm not going to add my commentary to it. And then I want uh, each of us to pick a story that we think is, I, I wouldn't say the best, but something that is in the in the little used uh, definition of this word, remarkable, which means worthy of remarks, not remarkable as in awesome or like, you know, fantastic, but just like, oh, that was a thing. So here we go. Number one. I shouldn't say number one. It's bullet points. This is not ordered. So we had the solar winds breach. Kind of a big yeah. deal. I feel like maybe, well, I said I wouldn't commentate on it. Uh, Amazon, the AWS got a new CEO. The uh, Google versus Oracle thing. The APIs were ruled not copyrightable, which I think Google won. I think is the way to summarize that. Yes. Correct. Yep. And then uh, where I work, VMware, now an independent company, instead of being owned by uh, Dell Technologies, there were many, many companies that were funded and IPO'd. You got Confluent, GitLab, HashiCorp just last week, gigantic uh, IPO there. We made it, all of our Snowflake. listeners a huge amount of money. That's yeah. right. That's right. Recommended that. Strong buy recommendation on that. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think another one that uh, I think... there. This has had lots of big effects, happened several times. You have, let's see, open source projects that had commercial backing behind them. Uh, AWS came in and basically just forked them. I don't know if fork is the technical word. They cloud forked them uh, and, and you know came up with their own thing, their own version of it to run it. Then, of course, we had, we'll combine these two together. We had Web3 and then crypto stuff. Lots of that going on. And then, of course, the most important thing that happened this year, I'm going to editorialize, Matt Ray got a new job. <laughs> I, I think that was uh, perhaps the most pivotal, earth-shaking moment of the year, I, th I think is what happened. But I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, that said, Matt Ray, of these things, <laughs> what do you think is, is one of the more remarkable things that occurred? What, what's one of these things that as the year has been going on, you've been, uh, I don't know if you have eggnog there, but you've been imagining that you're going to slide into eggnog. Like, uh, what uh, What are you thinking about? What What has popped into your head multiple times? <laughs> well, I, I, obviously, I'm a bit biased. I, I did get a new job. Um, I, sh but, I should uh, have said you can't choose that one. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's... To, to me, um, 
like there's some long-term things that I, I think will affect the industry as a whole. Uh, the solar mm. winds breach with the tail end of the log for J thing. That's go- that's obviously already having massive repercussions. People worrying about their, their supply chain. Um, that's, that's huge. Uh, you know, the, the funding, they had to redefine unicorn. Now it's 10 billion, right? I mean, that's just nuts. <laughs> Decacorn. Uh, the, the Decacorn, it's not a thing, but it's a thing, right? And, uh, you know, you know maybe, have... can, can I suggest that we introduce the, the phrase candy corn? Could, could we have that to describe <laughs> like, like in, extremely highly valued I think tech startups? When we get to Centicorn, that will probably be. No, no, no. The, 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 candy corn, the candy corn is the company that was worth a billion. Didn't take the money and it's no oh, longer. Oh, that's a doctor. Oh, I like that. Docker would be the first candy corn. Uh, were, well, yeah. or or uh, uh, would have been. Yeah, there there might be a few others uh, poking around, but uh, but uh, you know, Matt, as you're talking there on the solar winds one, I, I think it was interesting because we sort of opened a year last year uh, or this year rather. Solar winds breach was huge news, and then we kind of closed the year as we talked about last week. Log for Jane, I just part of me just kind of feels like, well, we've kind of just gotten used to this now. Like they're just mass, like every breach is very big, you know, I feel like, and it's kind of like we were talking about the, the, the previous week. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we're maybe not. The new normal. Yeah. 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 I mean, there is like a, a sort of like that, that phrase, I know it gets overused. Maybe people don't like it, but it is sort of like, it, we just accept it. Like this is part of doing business and well, um, you just have to like mitigate and, you know, take precautions for every new type yeah. of vector of attack. I mean, it, and that's just how it is. You know? If we if we were doing predictions for 2022, and I was like, "There's going to be a massive software breach," everyone would be like, <laughs> "That's the easiest bet of the year." <laughs> wait, wait, you know, you know what you're making me think, Brandon is, and I am not saying this to like wish something upon whatever is that for all of these security breaches, day one, I very rarely hear about negative effects. Right. Like it's really like it's sort of odd that I don't hear like and there were like 500,000 people who were completely wiped out financially and jumped off a building. Right. Like there's never like like it doesn't seem like the people reporting on it like ever chased down what happened. Right. Like as a consequence of this, like. uh, like something well, occurred. Uh, you, you've, you, you get small anecdotes about like ransomware attacks, keeping hospitals you know, frozen in place or you right, know, right, right. shut down it, the, the, the gas pipes uh, on the East coast. You know, that yeah, was, that was uh, a big news. That's true. That did have big. Right. And, 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 and so that, that is, you know, that would be a good thing to, and again, I'm not saying someone should amplify the negativeness, but it's sort of like, it would be nice to couple like these gigantic, like big breach things with, some sort of events. some sort of no, well <laughs> some description of what the effect is right so like with the solar winds thing right like the the only thing i remember is like government people use solar winds and that was it right, right. and like of yeah. course corporations use it but it would be interesting to hear like oh and then like i don't know these spies had to leave the country all of a sudden and their kids had to enroll in like local schools <laughs> because now they lost all their friends at like, you know, the inter- the IB yeah, school over here, yeah. right? Like, and I mean, I'm, I'm making fun of it, like whatever, but it's sort of like, I, I very rarely hear like what happens, right? And, and like yeah. any research into that, which I think would be fascinating to like, I, mean, and, and, I don't know. 
so to your question though, Matt, I think earlier, I think you said, you know, the, maybe the predictions are just, it's a prediction that's sort of simple. I don't know if it's like necessarily that novel it would just be like breaches are a way of life, right? Like, so yeah, there's going to be yeah, yeah. a big breach in 2022. And I predict that we'll just, you know, we'll analyze it. The industry will kind of snap into place, whether it's an open source breach or something that comes out of uh, enterprise software or something that's totally different. And, you know, people will snap into like mitigate it, take precautions, update things. And, you know, life will just continue on. Like that's just part of software today. Like it, the thought that there's like going to be zero breaches going forward and maybe this is <laughs> ever, it's just best like, year ever. Yeah. It seems uh, so, I don't, but I, but I do think, I mean, in some ways it's like, I, you know, it is sort of just like, a, I don't know, again, maybe it's kind of like the weather, like we talked about before, just sort of like, it's, it's kind of good if everyone just kind of gets used to it, right? I guess yeah, maybe it's more yeah. important that people uh, are aware of when they happen and then they do whatever they need to do. So it's like when Apple does it or Android, right, you know, you upgrade, you know, you quickly do the upgrade to get the patch, right? And so that's probably the most important thing is that people are aware of it and they do the thing that they need to do and they move on. There's no reason to spend a lot of time analyzing it. Well, you know, th this makes me realize something like I've always thought the uh, in, in, in the U.S., this constitutional thing of like you have uh, the right to privacy with your papers seem kind of phenomenal. Right. But it is like the right to privacy or whatever with your papers is it is an admission that some redcoats are going to come in and like take your papers but you're going to put this whole legal system in so you can never have your papers be secure. People can always take them and read them, right? So that secret is always going to get out. However, the way to get around that or not around that, the way to mitigate it is you enshrine in the laws of the country that like that can't happen unless like it happens officially. So mm -hmm. like if you steal someone's password and you get stuff with them, at least with the government, supposedly, uh, like, you know, you can't do anything with it because you didn't follow due process, which is an interesting, right. like maybe that is like ultimately like if you admit or not admit, if you accept that breaches are always going to happen, then you have to put in place some laws that spells out what happens. Kind of like my suggestions that if you're a centrist, you get all these sorts <laughs> of like, like things yeah. to, to kind of help you out. But I, I don't know that that is an interesting thing to think that like, if we give up on the idea that we can secure everything, then what we need are laws to mitigate the negative effects of it. Now, that said, Brandon, what is your pick for story of the year? Yeah, well, I think we should at least touch on kind of the enterprise, you know, sort of maybe the world we spend the most in. I think, you know, it's just, uh, you know, on the year, on the Wikipedia page of enterprise software, you know, 2021, I think for sure in the first paragraph is Andy Jassy stepping down as CEO and mm. Slepsky taking over. So I think it's, it's, just uh, an important, I think, you know, moment in the in in kind of the history of the cloud, right? Because I think that's sort of just the AWS, for better or for worse. I think you know they sort of like the bellwether of it all. Um, but I do think as I kind of exit the year, I think to myself, you know, you know, I know the tagline at AWS is like it's always day one, but I feel like this year at AWS, especially kind of coming off reinvent, was like no, it's like a pretty mature enterprise software company. Like I think it's going to run pretty similar to the way it's been running for a while. I think you're going to see more services, a lot of infrastructure stuff. I don't, but I think, and I think it has a huge runway to go in front of it and be very successful going forward. Um, but I just don't, you know, I think the idea that like it's transformative, I think it's just, if you will, kind of transcended that side of it, right? It's, if you will, it's at the top of the S curve. I just think a lot of sustaining stuff. So I think it's worth, that's definitely um, something to be noted. And then the other thing is a little bit, 
you know, I know Kote, you probably don't want to comment on it as much, but I do think it's another monument, um, another milestone that VMware is now after many corporate, uh, you know, structures is stands alone as an independent uh, company. Because I think in this coming year, if you make any predictions, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I just sort of look at it like VMware has all the workloads. It has like, I think something like 85, 90% of the workloads that remain like on-premise or just, you know, that are being run. And so it'll be interesting to see what becomes of that. Either VMware takes that position and makes itself, you know, even more valuable. Or if someone else comes along and says, uh, you know, we think VMware needs to be part of our our uh, company for whatever reason. It's almost like a media rights, if you will. Like, you know, it's like, oh, all the workloads are out there now. They're all standalone. Like, you know, what are they worth? And are they worth more to a large uh, company? Are they worth more standalone? So I think those two things like kind of stick out. That would be a great IDC report to uh, estimate the value of workloads. I, I would... Uh... I yeah, we need someone. Someone in IDC should do that, and then email it to us, and we'll talk about it. But I don't want to do the work. That's 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 too much no, Excel. No, that's a lot of Excel. Maybe Matt Levine could get on that. They got to do that up in New England. They could sort that out. Well, so I I think you know uh, I think what I'm going to pick is the Google versus Oracle one, and I think you know I I forget what the name of this type of thing is but the events that don't happen are often very uh significant ones right and I I remember us talking about this before it was ruled on and if APIs were copyrightable that would fuck everything up I mean basically <laughs> I I don't I don't know if uh, you know one of my ongoing little things to figure out is what the fuck kubernetes people mean when they say the word API but yeah. if API was copyrightable oh boy things would go nutty in that world, right? Like thing, like if, if, cause I think now don't, let's not spend too much time on it, but I, like Matt Ray, my approximation is that when Kubernetes people say API, they mean shit in a YAML file, right? That's kind of like <laughs> what they're talking about. At the end about. of the day, yes. It's, and, it's, and so, well, so well, like if, YAML, I guess turned into if, if we could imagine all the trademark murky, weird power play stuff that happens in open source, but would, would if you added copyright to it, and then you could copyright a YAML file, man, we would get in fights over like, is this a tab versus a space versus like, it would just be madness, right? And yes. so like, I think there are so many things that would branch out of that if an API was copyrightable, that it was extremely significant that it was ruled, at least in the US, I don't know about in the rest of the world. But at least in the U.S., that uh, you can't copyright an API, which is uh, great. Uh, yeah. So it, it, that was it's a, good for the long-term health of enterprise of of software. That's right? right, and 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 also like I think I think APIs fall the the characters and numbers that represent your API are kind of like the Cory Doctorow like fairy tales that Disney goes and and like you know makes a lot of stories. <laughs> out of. They're just like. <laughs> They're yeah. just sort of like in in there. Whoever comes up with these fairy tales, you can't really copyright them. They're totally cool, right? Like yeah, but but now, but, but but if uh, if it had gone the other way, next year Oracle would sue me when I try to make Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? I mean, if it had gone the other way, we would all wish that we had invested in Oracle because that would be an <laughs> extremely valuable. They they would have had Google by the um, by the whatever nuts, right? Like it, it would be crazy. But <laughs> the Kubernetes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. So, Matt Ray, I want you to start with our predictions for this year. <laughs> now, I'm going to trust you. We got to get to the questions, which I think are going to be great. I want you to keep it brief. And I, I promise you, both of you, that I will not comment on them, which is what causes them to be very long. So, Matt Ray, for next year. Now, I want, I, I want to tweak what a prediction is. And I want to call a prediction something that you hope happens. Right. Not something that you think will happen. Mm. Right. Like, I don't want no Skynet bullshit. Right. <laughs> so, so like, what, what is something that is like, that is conceivable that would be something that you hope happens that would be nice according to you? It doesn't have to be nice according to humanity. It's just something that, like, in your realm, your, your sphere of the world, something that you think probably will happen that you would like. Well, well, obviously, uh, I'm going to be biased and I, I, I want to see Knative thrive now that uh, they're out from now that the clouds have, have lifted and it's joining the CNCF. To me, that's uh, that's something I would like to happen. Mm. You know, more adoption, more users. Um, I think, uh, you know, looking at our list of predictions, a lot of them are like, I can predict we're going to talk about all these things. <laughs> um, but I don't know if they're good or bad. Like, are we going to talk about more or less Kubernetes for the year? we're probably going to keep talking about the same amount, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be the same sorts of projects. You know, the the drama, uh, that's going to continue. Convergence of databases, sure. You know, uh, Brandon had his interview with uh, uh, the, the the single single store. Correct. Yep. Um, that that that's, that sounded sounded pretty cool to me. Well, well, well um, so what I'm hearing, Matt Ray, and, and I like your answer. I, I, I kind of set myself up here for disappointment where I can't comment. But... <laughs> Broader acceptance, Words? de facto standardization of serverless by Knative is what you're going for. I like it. I like <laughs> yes. it. Very that's good. Very, okay, that's Brandon. That's perfect. That's a very self-serving. Uh, I like it. And that's what. Yeah. I, and I like that. And I mean that in a good way. I'm, so. I'm going to break my rule. You know what, Matt Ray? I agree with you. That would be great. Now, Brandon. <laughs> All right. So I have two things. One, this doesn't really go with your question. But one, I just wanted to get in here. One more jab at like the piece of content I absolutely hated the most this year was the A16Z uh, cloud repatriation, which word I can oh. still not say, 
um, about like, you know, Dropbox moving back. And uh, I, I loathe the fact that was published. And then we, we did talk about it. I talked about it on several podcasts, looking back on it. Uh, and I, and we do. It. And I just want to say that was by far and away the worst piece of content created this past year. So, uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! What if I made an NFT of it? Would that be the worst content? Really, that would if 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 we followed the Matt Levine thing, you made an NFT, but the NFT was you like printing it out and then setting it on fire, as he's been talking about how they do this <laughs> artwork. That would be the most perfect thing. In fact, should we ever create an NFT, that's the one I want to create. I don't know how to do it. We probably never will do it. So, um. So that's really off topic, but I just, you know, I needed to get that in off my chest. Oh, I got uh, lots of worse things. Um, <laughs> and then the thing that did not happen this year, but I want to still happen. So I'm, I, I, I know it won't happen, but I just want to throw it out into the universe. Was like, I was really excited. I wanted Zoom to buy Discord and Box. And I wanted uh, us to have like a, a, like another office suite of communication and document sharing tools and, you know, to like compete with, I guess, what is now the Slack uh, Salesforce behemoth, as well as Microsoft. I just, I just want like one more in, in there. Well, we, so we, we did get, we did get a new plucky underdog to cheer for um, with Cloudflare, right? With the, the, the that R2. was good. They did. Yeah. yeah they did you well. know, we're starting to, people are, people are buying into their messaging about, you know, well, you know, this is the next gen cloud kind of idea where, you know, we're taking the best of just the small pieces. Yeah, and, no, really good. Yeah. That's really good. But I just feel like I, I that, use that, Office collaboration like to, in the spirit of just like making it about yourself. Like I just use Office collaboration products all the time. And so it's like I don't use Cloudflare all the time, even though it's good or I use it indirectly. Uh, but I just like, yeah, Zoombox, you know, Zoombox Discord kind of thing. I hope I hope something reemerges and like out of out of the ashes because they didn't buy that. Um, Zoom was unable to buy that. Uh, what was it? Call center company. Uh, so maybe they can re- repurpose the funds to like put together a viable competitor, uh, competitor to like teams and like I said, Salesforce. They could buy Box and then unrepatriate them. Yeah. Oh, even better. That will. That would be. <laughs> oh, that would be especially great for me. Well, okay. So, so my. Well, uh, I think next year, all this crypto stuff is going to be bullshit. I, I think. I think. I think some. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I haven't even read the O'Reilly thing, which everyone says is great. But I just think, like, I mean, it's one of these things where you're just like, what I've learned. How old am I going to be? I was born in 1977, 2022. What is 2022 minus 1977? Is that 45? 45. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm going to be 45 in like under 10 days, and I feel like I have learned that when you have a sustained confusion about why something is popular and interesting, what it pretty much confirms is that it's bullshit. And so, like, I don't think anyone understands what, like, crypto stuff is. And the uh, the ongoing commentary from Matt Levine and other people is just sort of like, what is it? What, what's my, uh, my favorite way that he uh, will write, Brandon? He'll just be like, I guess so. He doesn't yeah, say, I just guess be like, so. well, I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, this yeah. Is, and, you know, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, that's after like a long 17 p- paragraphs of like outlining right, right. all the problems of something. He's like, but you know, GameStop's making a lot of money that, you know, stuff like that. Meme stuff, yeah. whatever. And, mm-hmm. and so I think at some point we'll all be like, Oh, right. That was a bunch of bullshit. And, uh, it'll, it'll just be over. I think that's going to happen this year. 2020. Well, we should say, I, I have like a personal thing I'm trying to, as I go into next year is to, you know, I guess I really adopt, I guess, as an educated skeptic mindset. It's like so much of it 
I am so incredibly skeptical of all of it. But at the same time, sometimes out of these technology trends, eventually something emerges, right? And often something that's completely different than like what people are talking about. So it's like kind of keeping an open mind to like, does all of this technology sort of like uncover something new that's not maybe related to like the way it's talked about today? Like, cause that, I, I think if we think back our I careers, for that. something yeah. like that does often happen. Like, like the web sort of birthed social media for good or for bad or for all these things that we didn't anticipate. Right. And I just think um, sometimes things, things just need to bake for a lot longer than we want, or maybe we, we think, right. And that starts to open up possibilities. So this idea of like, broadly speaking of distributed trust it's like it's interesting i don't know if anything i see right now is like the right use of it but like it could come up like it could be interesting at some point (laughs) or 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 maybe maybe this is just going to teach us all to be a little more critical of scams yeah you know maybe 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 that's the lesson we'll all learn is like huh uh fomo is uh is is not a good thing and and maybe you know you should have a little more skepticism but you know what there's that that's the problem is every time i feel a little bit of fomo i'm like you know there there are there's a lot a lot of people investing in things that i consider scammy and there were a lot of people investing in you know mortgage-backed securities yeah no and i think you're you're hitting on right this idea that like the uh, what do they call it like investment people call it like euphoria right like there are many examples of like this uh, um, euphoria that takes over and like something that's new. Right. And then, and there are like a thousand examples, like, of course, like where uh, Coche lives, we're required to talk about tulips and then there are Mm -hmm. beanie babies here in the United States and like millions of other things. So, so like, I think that's always the counter to the FOMO is to be like, Hey, you may be missing out, but a lot of these things, uh, at the same time, turn out to be just fads and, and and potentially huge financial losses. But at the same time, like on the technology side, like like take a, a tulip and a beanie baby. Like there was nothing like new about that technological from a technology perspective. Whereas like okay, like distributed trust is like that is an interesting idea in that yeah. in the fact that like putting aside all how it's there used, some, it's like that's an, that's yeah. an interesting math problem someone solved. In that potentially down the road we may be like, huh. This other thing and, and, is really useful for yeah. it, and and I and I like I, I like the idea of some of the Ethereum stuff about you know being able to distribute compute and you know charge and and stuff for it. But as a unit of currency, it is I, I think I saw that it is uh, currently three hundred and twenty five times more expensive than a Raspberry Pi for the same amount of compute. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, all right. Well, listen, that's a lot about uh, this past year. <laughs> Things and that we're going to continue to bitch about. But I was going to say, let's finally, uh, let's finally put this show in the hands of uh, the people that mean the most, the listeners. We've got a bunch of listener questions here. Well, you, like you've, uh, you've collected them, Brandon. Yeah, I've so got them here. Why don't you go through them? Like, I will. Uh, I will uh, take us through them, and uh, we'll try to get to every conceivable question. And for those of uh, actually here live today, if you throw some questions in the Slack, we'll make sure to answer those as well. So, all right. So, Brian from Austin asks, and we'll start with you, Cote. What was your favorite story told by a host other than yourself from 2021? Oh, I think um, I think my favorite story was. Anything related to Matt Ray's uh, dog chewing things up. <laughs> I, I, think, I think those are always adorable, right? Like you have the, uh, the dog 
just like get something and he has to go up. He's a menace. And find what it is. And, you know, there, there, there's two things. It is, it is one super cute, right? To have like a little puppy just like arr, 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 chewing things up. And then also, you know, you ha- like I have a dog and my dog drives me fucking crazy. And so it, it's, <laughs> it's also nice to like, you know, um, I don't know what the psychological thing is, but it's sort of like commiserate. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of like, yep, dogs are fucking crazy, aren't they? <laughs> And so uh, that's it. I, I love Matt all right, all right, Matt, Matt, your your favorite stories, uh, story or stories told by someone other than yourself. <laughs> well, I, I do like the the parallel stories of of Cote and a, a new country, uh, and you know the way things work in in, uh, in Amsterdam versus the way things work in Australia. Where you know the the fish out of water stories are always entertaining. Um, mm. You know because uh, we. We're both in countries that have a more um, paternalistic bent than the U.S. And uh, seeing <laughs> seeing how that comes and goes uh, is always entertaining. Yeah. No, I think those are good. Yeah, I was just going to say, so you kind of took it, Kote. I think uh, it wasn't actually – I don't know if it made the actual full show. It made a little bit of the after show. But clearly, Matt's dog eating glue kind of live yeah. on air was like <laughs> the funniest thing that I've I, – I still – even as I'm thinking about it, it was Eating so like funny. super glue so, or something like that? Yeah, like you yeah. have to like go back and actually – I don't even know if we were streaming it. I think it was like – anyway, I got a little bit of an after show. It was so funny because just to see Matt like just to snap into full dad mode like, hey – did you take it away? Because again, just anyway, I can't. I forgot it. about that. That was hilarious. It's just so good. I can't recreate it. <laughs> so go listen to it. And then I really liked, uh, you know, Kote. Uh, I think I think he had some good story about the house shoes. I thought that was very good. And I will yeah. say probably I'll just speak for the listeners here. The I think the things that we often get um, a lot of comments on is they they um, they enjoy Kote's interpretation of just I'm just going to say Europe at all uh, overall. Mm. Oftentimes people writing in from st- for stickers will reference something about. Um, Cote in Europe and whatever. Here. So yeah, anyway, yeah. so those are good ones. All right. Huh. Um, moving on, I'm going to go to Sean here. Sean asks, uh, what are your favorite memories or moments from running the podcast? And uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Um, I, I actually uh, enjoy the the kind of weird community that our Slack has become um, where it's, uh, you know, we've got uh I like to drop in, read the conversations from folks. You know, we, we've got, you know, the thread, uh, which will never die. Um, you know, it, it, it pauses from time to time, but then it, it picks up steam again. And, and uh, uh, you know, we've got six or 7,000 messages in there. Um, I, I enjoy the Slack. You know, that's, that's right, always good. And, and Kote, what any favorite moments that either listeners have shared or you yourself? What is your favorite moment from the podcast? From this year, uh, I mean, I think. Well, you could probably there. There aren't any. There's no. There's no grading here. You could probably just uh, call upon anything in the last several years. What I have liked this year, uh, very specifically, is I have noticed, and maybe I'm wrong, and I apologize if I am. But I've noticed that Brian Gracely has started writing a lot more in the Slack, and every time he like writes something or like comments in there, I pay very close attention to it because it. Uh, I don't know. I I like that guy's deal. So it's uh, <laughs> I, I like that he has more involvement and he's more vocal. So I'm into that. 
Into it, good. Well, Gibson, if you want more Gracely, you should get in the sports the sports Slack channel. Not your thing, Kote. <laughs> I, I, no. I have enjoyed the. Sports I was going to say, not your yes, Kote. Not very very small community of sports and tech overlap. Yes. But Brian is even more active in that one. So you yeah, like, that that is our that is our jam. Right. I, I get all I get all the sports and podcasts I can take from election profit makers, and they talk about like <laughs> there you go. North Carolina like sports every now and then, and that's that's, that's, that's all that's I perfect. need. Yeah. Uh, I'll just quickly answer it. Say like one, I've really enjoyed since the beginning. Uh, getting stickers, getting these requests from all over the world. I think we've got, you know, five, six, six continents. And so it's always amazing to me because it just reminds me like the size of the internet. It's like, wow, it's great to hear from so many people uh, all over. And then I think just a favorite moment, I think it was like fairly early on, I was at a conference, um, you know, as the podcast was maybe doing a little bit better. And uh, this gentleman came up to me and he just said like, Hey, I, I really enjoy your podcast. I listen to it while I walk my dog. And I was like, Oh, that's great. I just always thought that was like a great moment. It was like, cause that's how I listen to a lot of podcasts, not walking a dog. I don't have one, but just doing other things. And I always thought like, that's just like a, a sign of success. So I, I really yeah. enjoyed uh, yeah. I always, I love when people say that, like I do my dishes or I, you know, I mean, there's just been so many things people have told me that they do and they're always like mundane tasks. And I'm always like, great. I'm glad we're there for you. So yeah, uh, those are really good ones. All right. Uh, this one, I think maybe you told the story before, but it's been a while. We'll just say like, uh, uh, Kote, we'll start with you. Uh, how did we all meet? You can probably answer that question. How did we all meet? We met, let's see. I met Matt Ray at Funds Express in 99. Yep. 99. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, I, I still didn't really know him. And then I got to know him better when we were at Coral because there were there were only so many of us. And then we met you, Brandon, when we were at BMC, which I think I was the last one of our group of friends back then to join. I forget. And uh, that's how we... It might have been me, we, hmm. but yeah. That's how, that's how yeah, we met Kote each other. Yeah, and I shared an office, yeah. Yeah, it That's seems right. like we should have some more exciting story. But we all just work together early <laughs> on. I mean, it's like, yeah, we just well, well, yeah. So, so, so uh, my my first job out of college, I, I went to work for uh, literally mom and pop software company. Um, and two weeks into that job, they had to shut down the company. <laughs> you know, you know what we should and, do. Let, let me let me rephrase this question. We should find out what is the common connection between the three of us. Right. Like, so like I was at Funds Express because I was in high school with the CEO's son. Right. And, and the CEO's son of fun of, it was called Mesa back then. He was like, Hey, these high school kids, they're fucking cheap. I don't know (laughs) if he, he, if he thought that, but that was like the truth. Right. And so he asked around for the, the teachers at our high school, like, who are some programmers or people who know computers? And so I was brought into that because he asked, because the teachers knew me. And so I was brought into Funds Express. Now, Matt Ray, how did you get into Funds Express? So, so the mom and pop software company, um, <clears throat> I was employee number one. And uh, after two weeks, uh, they... A, a a large calculator company stole all their IP and released competing product. And they were like, we can't compete anymore. And um, gave me my, my, <laughs> my notice, my two weeks out of school's job. And uh, I called up uh, my friend, Matt Kimmon, and he got me an interview later that afternoon at Funds Express. He had a good end because his, his sister-in-law was the head of HR. And uh, I think right. I had a job on... Okay. I think I had a job on Monday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
and so I, I ended up at Funds Express with, uh, you know, the the Mesa crew. And uh, okay, and okay, then, yeah, so all... so so Matt Kinman's sister-in-law. That's how you and I are connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh... And yeah, then, and I then... guess just to bring it home would be I through a different strand worked at a startup. Evity was acquired by BMC, so it would be. Uh-huh. Whichever one of you were hired first at BMC, and then whoever either Wasn't recommended you or recruited you I in, thought it was you. I was gonna say, yeah. so I don't know. I, Matt, maybe Matt Kinman was the one that maybe he was there. Maybe he he was the one that recommended one of you or both of you to work there. I don't know. I do not remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Kinman because yeah, who brought me yeah, in. Yeah, I went to yeah I went to a, another company after Coral went under uh, that did retail point of sales and. Uh, I won firefighter of the quarter, two quarters in a row. And then I was like, I got to get out of here. Wow. <laughs> well, t- talk about pre DevOps thing. Like, t- yeah, yeah. Now, now hold what uh, Cloby was at funds express, right? Don't know. I don't know. Huh? Huh? But I even maybe just to curtail it off. Cause we're probably like down a rabbit hole here. It's a little bit. It's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. So probably the three of us definitely met there. Um, worked yep. a lot together and then Cote and everyone, like a lot of these conversations we were just having the hallway, quote unquote hallway. Uh, and then eventually that led to, I think Cote had started many podcasts, was starting a podcast, running a blog. And so from that sort of kind of just evolved into like what you have now. So there you go. Can, can, so you're very wait, lucky. Can, can I tell like one of the major epiphanies of my professional life that you gave me, Brandon? All right, I'll be right very ahead. brief. I yep. remember we were in a very dark room with no windows in uh, the BMC Austin building. And uh, you were talking, I'm going to anonymize all of this, but you were talking about like, we need these three groups of, of, of these roles of types of people who have permissions. And I was like, this is crazy. Why are we going to hard code these types of groups? And you said, well, so-and-so company gives us a lot of money. So we are going <laughs> to add this feature. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know how I reacted. Maybe you remember, but, but my history is, is I, uh, I thought like, oh, Right. I get it. And and that I think is the day that I understood what product management is. Trey, welcome oh, wow. welcome to Enterprise Software. Yeah, no, I do remember. I, I don't remember that specific occasion. I do remember that. I'll just say I'll because who knows, you know, the end days have probably long since expired. But we'll just say it was a large telecom that wanted uh-huh, that. And uh-huh. that's yeah, why I, 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 I that. see I I thought I was gonna get your epiphany, Cote, because Cote and I shared an office and he was blogging and, and doing a little bit of podcasting like independently. And uh, we were talking one day and Cote was like, uh, the, these Red Monk folks uh, yeah. have made me an offer to become an analyst. And, uh, you know, I don't know, should I, you know, keep being a developer or should I be an analyst? And I think I told Cote, I, he wasn't a very good developer, but he'd be a great analyst. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's a whole nother story. Then we, we all had to talk to Cote's <laughs> wife and it was a, it was a joint effort. That, <laughs> it took a village to get Cote that job. But we that all, is that's true. That's a little too personal. That's, that's for next year. Going. That's yeah. a lot of history. We won't get into that. All right, mm-hmm. here, let's, mm-hmm. uh, I'll start with this question and you guys can think of an answer. I just want to say, somebody said, do we have a, 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 a couple favorite episodes over the years? Uh, I just, you know, I personally, maybe cause I just like, maybe it's the most pre-work I've ever done for an episode. I really enjoyed the AWS, uh, the working backwards. You know, we reviewed that book. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. it was good for me. I guess it's sort of like, I guess it's just like doing a book club, but, uh, yeah. I feel like it actually really helped me because I work with a lot of people from from AWS at AWS, and so it's like like reading that and then having to have a discussion about it, like just like really made me feel like 
uh, as much as you can like understand AWS without working there, I, I personally took a lot from that. That actually helped me. So uh, I don't know if everyone else enjoyed that one. Maybe it was like too detailed, but like I took a lot from that. So Matt, is there any episode that sticks out in your mind as being especially good? Um, that, that one was, uh, I, I think cause you know, we had a rather engaging conversation where I think I started as liking it and you guys came down hard on it. And by the end we were all like dogpiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, usually, uh, I, I, I pretty much enjoy all the episodes. Um, you know, and I like looking back through the titles and, you know, just thinking like, what were we talking about? That was good. What were we talking about? That was good. <laughs> so uh there's they, they all stand all right they all stand out okay anything specifically jumped to your mind well i would not have thought of that one but yeah i think about that book a lot and i think uh us talking about it in that episode is good i i think i'm gonna cheat and say that i think the um the uh i forget what we called them but like those episodes that you and i brandon did where we like went over Exegesis press releases and stuff. a while yeah. back yeah uh-huh. yeah i really like those those were uh all right well they're I, all in the back catalog yeah 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 maybe we'll do that in the new year okay um well we'll you know we're, we're definitely into navel gazing this episode so i think we'll take this one because other people uh ask this stuff on other podcasts and i like it so there'll probably be mm. a niche but uh well i think uh brian asks uh how many hours uh, per episode, does it take to plan, edit, and upload? And uh, he wants to. Can you break it down uh, on time for the main steps? So yeah. So okay, let's. Uh, we'll uh, we'll show our full on uh, podcast pipeline here. So I would say for a typical episode. So like at the end of recording, we uh, in the Slack channel. If you're part of the Slack channel, you've probably seen it. We have a whole channel dedicated to just topics. It's called SDT. I'll say that again. It's called SDT Topics Backlog. And then just throughout, from the moment we publish, you know, anyone can put um, suggested, usually it's articles or links of things that they think are interesting from the week. So that's sort of, if you will, becomes like all of the links that are eventually show up in the episode show notes. And then from that, usually uh, I will do this on like Wednesday, my time is I'll put together kind of a list of all the links and I'll create like kind of a very rudimentary outline of like, hey, here are the things that I think are interesting to talk down. We'll throw that in like the rundown. So if you see that in the show notes, you can actually see those are the things that we often ended up talking about. And they're usually the rundown is longer than the things that we can talk about. I usually always do the following. It's like, I'm not sure there's a lot to talk about this week. And then we actually start talking. It's like, wow, there's too many things. It almost always happens. Uh, so we record hopefully every Thursday, three around 3.30 Central. Um, then we record using Audio Hijack and the Roadcaster Pro, and then more recently using Restream. So we'll have a, a couple different versions of the recording as backup. That'll all happen, happens live, and then I will then take it usually um, right afterwards and try to probably spend like another hour, hour and a half, depending on how long it was, and quickly edit it together. So, uh, and when I edit it, I use, let's see, I use Hindenburg, and then I will, I put chapter markers in it because I like it. I like chapter markers. So I don't, I think only a few people really use them is from what I can tell, but I really like it. It makes it easy. I for use me them. To, okay. It makes it easy for me to navigate the episode later on. Like if I want to know what's going on. Uh, and then if all goes well, that'll, that'll all be done maybe about like 5 PM my time. And then the episode publishes uh, Thursday uh, mm-hmm. or Thursday. No, I guess it's early Friday morning. So yeah, early Friday morning for most for the U.S. Uh, 12:30 a.m., which is like 7:30 in the 
a.m. for you know Europe, and then you know, sometime in the afternoon for Australia, and then that's pretty much it. And then if it all if it all goes well, then we'll do it all again. And then a couple other things, I will usually like grab some show art because I like to just see different like um, things like you know different pictures on the episode. So usually every episode will have its own show art, art, which I just I just get honestly from Upsplash, I think it is or Unsplash, whatever. They have a lot of free stuff. So I think that's it. What I miss? What I miss? Anything else about publishing a podcast that people did, care did about? The, did, did you put the uh, LinkedIn and Twitter? Oh yeah, yeah. Then next? when I yeah. I usually like let it sit overnight, and then you can't automate it. But I try to like write. I just think it's more interesting if you like write the Twitter, LinkedIn updates. So I'll usually do those Friday morning my time. And, I'll just, and then, and then yeah. how about uh, how about the business side? How much time do you spend on like the uh, like sales ad copy? Trying yeah, to get, I mean, try, trying to remind the, me to record something. Yeah, that's true. I guess there is. There's a few other things to just write. We, we do sell ads. We do some sponsored interviews. Hopefully everyone's heard all yeah. that stuff. So yeah. depending on what it is, that's just sort of like ad hoc. We don't, I wouldn't say we have like outbound sales, but people email us. We do have a, uh, like a whole rate card and a little presentation that, yeah, you know, yeah. have, and I work a little bit with the marketing people. So, um, so that's probably, I don't know. It just depends. Maybe like an hour a week if, if, and then sometimes more depending on like if we're just setting up a sponsor for the first time. And then like, I don't know if people care about this time, like people that sponsor us, usually no one really only a few times have we actually gotten like a real like script. People are, all the advertisers are usually very like, they just send, they just like to send bullets. So like I'll, I'll usually write a first draft of the script and then I'll make Matt and Cote record it. And then when they've recorded it, they'll usually edit the script either because something, (laughs) something was just wrong, like a typo, or they'll kind of put their own spin on it, which is what we want. So, um, and then, yeah, they'll send me their, their, um, ad reads. And then, you know, I have to, uh, then consult with the sound design team. I'm kidding. Of course, like I just pick out some sound effects that I think go with the ad (laughs) and then I put, put, put all that together. So, um, I think, all right. I think that's, did I miss yeah. anything else? Anything else? No, Podcast no, you people? got it. That's a lot. No, that's, that's probably yeah, a lot for yeah. people. If you're in a, and then I should say this, we do have, uh, other people that are interested in creating podcasts, some of them more successful, like Brian Gracely, uh, Kote mentioned and other people just getting going. So there's a whole podcast production channel. If you're really interested in this, in the Slack, um, you can go in there and like people, um, trade ideas all the time and tools and stuff like that. And of course there's like plenty of stuff on the internet, like people, all the NPR stuff, like those are the people that know how to make audio the best. But like, if you want to ask just like general questions, um, yeah. that's always a good channel. So I, I, right. I think, I think in summary, Brandon does a lot of work, which Matt and I are very grateful <laughs> for. Like, yeah, 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 no, but it's fun. Like I think editing, like I, you know, yeah. people have asked this question, like, should you start a podcast? My answer is like, yeah, like everyone should. Like it's always, people are always like, there's too many podcasts or there's too many things. I'm like, no, man, it's like plenty of people were looking for stuff and it left stuff to uh, listen to and stuff like that. I know Matt, you've got one for your company and Kote, you've got some, I don't know, cultural podcasts, let's call it. And then we've got mm-hmm. the friend, our friends at the hallway track. It's like, yeah. I don't know, man. I just think everyone put them out there. It's like, you know, not everyone will listen, of course, but I think it's uh, pretty good. So, yeah. all right. That was a lot uh, on uh, podcasts. So now we'll get to probably, you know, one of the most important questions. Kote, it's just for you. Matt, if you have something you want to chime in on it, you can, but I'll start it for you here, Kote. Uh, which occasions are the ones that you choose to sport your red trousers? Uh, do you see your personal style diverging in opposite direction from Tasty, Pete, uh, Tasty Meets Paul? Is this intentional? So talk to us. And I guess if you haven't seen it, Kote does have some fine red trousers that he uh, he wears, uh, I guess, in pre-COVID times. But go ahead, Kote. Well, this is two questions, which I enjoy. So I, 
So when do I wear the red trousers? Well, there are two times. One, when uh, all my other pants are dirty in my purse. <laughs> I, I should say all the pants that will fit, and I'll wear them. Now, I don't really like the red twa- trousers because they have a button fly. And they have a button oh. fly of three things, which like I like to... Um, <clears throat> being a, uh, a a a male or whatever i can pee standing up so when i pee i like to hold my phone so i don't waste the time so i can read some stuff <laughs> so you got to have a zipper right but if you uh, like you know you you can do like one-handed with the zipper and hold your phone and do stuff but if you've got a button fly not going to happen right and so you can't you can't look at your phone if you've got a button fly so i actually don't like button fly pants however i will re- wear the red pants if like there's nothing else uh, in the drawer that I don't like wearing um, more. Now, I also will wear the red pants like if, I mean, I guess if I was going to be honest, which is what this question is asking, I wear them when I am going to a conference where I'm excited and relaxed to talk at that event, right? And so like... Like Ooh. the time that I remember wearing Some red signaling there, 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 are, there are major time. I mean, not major. One thing that pops to mind and there may, may be many others is I remember at the spring one platform conference we had in Austin where I had a presentation that I gave with Rick Clark, who's become a nice friend of mine at uh, pivotal and VMware. I remember I wore red pants then when I was presenting because I was interested in that presentation, Rick and I had worked on it, I was going to have fun, and I was also super relaxed about it, right? So it was like I was in my element. So I wore the pants, and it was great. I had a good time. So that's when I wear the, uh, as our English person submitted the question, red trousers. That's right, trousers. Well, I think that's good, Kote. You've kind of given off a little tell then. I think people can kind of maybe, uh, from your wardrobe, they can maybe give get a sense Absolutely. of how excited you are about your uh, given presentation. So it's good. All right. Well, look yep. good. Good. No, I do not have any red trousers, so uh, I can't, can't say I can participate. Um, all right. A couple more questions and we'll wrap up here. Uh, so Matt, maybe we can start with you. Uh, this question is if you wanted to build a startup nowadays, you know, what would it be? Um, I feel like I was, I, don't I felt per- like I was giving you a layup there, Matt, just so you know. Yeah. yeah well, no, no, know. no. I, the question is like, <laughs> What what is interesting to you versus what's like yeah what would you do for corporation I think you can answer either way I think you can answer either way I mean if 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 I just wanted to make a bunch of money it would be software supply chain right just Mm. security you see these valuations of like eighty you know eight billion dollars and you know people raising you know hundreds of millions of dollars it's like that's because it's a huge problem and you know I. I appreciate that, but it, to me, it's not the most interesting personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, my interests are are definitely uh, down in the, the serverless and edge space. Um, I, I find that stuff all very uh, intriguing. Um, maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite happy at, uh, at Trigger Mesh. Um, I, I think some of the WebAssembly stuff is, is really intriguing. Um, that's that's. I don't know if there's a lot of money to be made, though. That's the problem. Right. It's like, you know, if you're trying to make money, go do yourself yeah, yeah, some but I think data warehousing, question, you know? Right? Yeah, no, I think you're right, though. I think there's kind of what you're interested in versus, like, what, what you can make money. So I think that's that's very, very financial. Yeah. Cote, yeah, uh, I, I, what about I, you? I, I, I think Matt's onto something where it is, um, it would be fun to have 
a startup or some work around a new way of programming like that would be like that would ultimately be interesting right and and i think like like serverless stuff is an intriguing new way of programming things like and so whatever that might be just a new way of coding would be interesting new way of coding i like it all right always good all right i would ask i'd probably answer it kind of slightly different say i really do i'm just interested in kind of like you know, I do. I I think a lot about digital transformation, but the stuff that's always interesting to me is like kind of the physical world, and then, you know, how do, how does technology make this things simpler? Whether it's just like, you know, ordering ahead of time at like Sonic or checking in for light uh, for American Airlines and things like that. So I'm always just really interested. Like, there's other stuff that very old school, like Dodgeball and Foursquare, that I thought were really mm. interesting about like you know how to do things with technology that sort of involve the real world. So like, if I was to do something, I would probably like to explore that area but it's super you know as we were talking about other things it's like those those ideas are either like massively successful or just you know they don't go anywhere so that's probably um but it's the stuff i kind of think about when i just like use technology whether i'm like checking in a doctor's office like like what do i have to do on paper versus what i can do uh on the phone i'm just always thinking about that so i like that area i would probably try to explore that area more but you know we'll see all right. Uh, final question for me, and this is uh, and this is a perfect segue. Is uh, the question comes from? No, I'm not sure how to say uh, the last one. I think is it Jan or Jan? I can't remember. Anyway, J A N. Uh, so I apologize for saying your name wrong. Uh, he uh, uh, he or she asks like, is Brandon planning couch surfing trip around the world with all the physical addresses I have accumulated for stickers? And the answer is no. I am not going to couch surf, but I have greatly <laughs> enjoyed. Uh, getting all of the the various addresses. It's been fun to see uh, how many people um, and how many different places people listen. And that kind of takes us right into this week. I did uh, send some stickers to uh, Marsan, Marsin, I think, in Wales, where, of course, this is something I had to learn, Cote. I unfortunately cannot remember if Wales was like, is it, is it its own country or is it oh, the boy. UK? So, I, don't so even know. I did learn, I, I did, I believe I learned correctly that it is absolutely its own country. So therefore when I'm addressing the sticker, all I had to write was Wales. I didn't have to write the UK underneath it. So, um, so don't worry. I, I think I can mail things everywhere pretty much now. And if, if not, even if you send me an address, I'll figure it out. So if you would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your poster address to stickers at talk.com. And I will be uh, happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And with that, Cote, do we have any upcoming conferences that we should talk about? Well, there's quite a few. Now, as I mentioned, uh, at some point, there are like crazy COVID things going on here in the Netherlands. But hopefully that will resolve and or the fact that I'm a resident here and a citizen of the U.S. will still allow me to go to that conference, which is going to be in Round Rock, which might as well be Austin. Uh you know, have you ever seen the Round Rock, Brandon? The actual is there an actual rock? I know I have. Like, what, oh what, yeah, what, what are we talking about? No, I didn't. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, someone someone took me to see it, and it's actually half of a sphere. It used to be a round rock, and it's kind of round on the bottom. I sh- I, I should go see it again, but because this was a long time ago. But you know, my dad lived in Georgetown, so I went to Round Rock a lot, and I remember one point at one point going to see the Round Rock of Round Rock, and um, I don't know, it seemed pretty cool, like. Uh, when do you get to see that? Anyways, so that conference is going to be in Round Rock, uh, January 17th to 20th of 2022. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I will be there giving a talk. Brandon will be there with me doing a live uh, recording of this episode, of not this episode, of Software Defined Talk. 
And uh, it'll be nice. Now, we have all sorts of discounts codes. If you want to go softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 336, we have three different discount codes for the type of conference that you want to go to. Now, also, there's DevOps Day Chicago that it has a uh, call for papers opened. It's going to be May 10th and 11th, and the CFP closes at the end of January. Also, there's DevOps Days Birmingham, Alabama. There's also a, um, I think this is part of Britain, definitely not Wales, but uh, Birmingham, UK, that also exists, but this is not that. And that call for papers is open until January 31st, 2022. Wouldn't it be funny if they were like January 30th? because they want to be slightly different. (laughs) Anyways, that conference is in April, but you should go check those out, submit some papers. It'll be really nice to be able to go to conferences in person, I hope, and uh, hang out with each other. So we got a bunch of conferences there. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 336 to see all of them. And with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this episode? So uh, my recommendation, you know, I think it's end of year and there's a lot of wrap-up shows like this one, but uh, one of the things I've used a lot this year and I would say like most recently, I think it's maybe the best application of artificial intelligence that like touches me. I think all the time is, uh, I don't know what to call it. I think it's the Apple photo widget, you know, essentially, you know, on your iPhone or whatever. And you have, it just sort of like figures out like what photos and will either create little stories or just kind of show you like a photo of the day. Um, and like, you know, obviously unlike some of the other platforms, like all of this stuff stays local on your devices. And I, I will say like, it's uh, so much of times, I think we talk about technology, like taking away from mental health, but like, I don't know. I just like it surfaces like great pictures of my family, great pictures of events that we've all done. Like, just like, it's just like a very, if you will, um, I won't say it's like a yoga or anything. It's just sort of like, it can give you just a moment of like relaxation, just seeing a good photo uh, that's in your library. And I don't know how it does it. Like, it just sort of like, it picks out really good ones. So I just, I'm sure it's all artificial intelligence and machine learning, but like whoever's in charge of it has done a good job. And I am not someone that really likes a lot of widgets in general, but like that one is definitely worth it. So mm. if you haven't enabled it or you don't have it um, like available on your Mac or your iPhone or iPad or whatever, I'd recommend it. Like I said, it's like, I think we can all enjoy like a, a few moments, if you will, of a uh, peaceful, uh, fun, I guess, uh, Fond uh, memories, and I think that's what it's really good at. So check out the Apple Photo Widget. I think that's a great recommendation, and and I agree. The only thing I would say is that, you know when it makes like the film or mm-hmm. whatever that you click yeah. on? I, I always want to like click on the thing that it's showing me, the photo, mm-hmm. and like go to that photo in the context. Oh, it of, doesn't like, make it, yeah. And it doesn't uh-huh. do that, and it, it just it drives me crazy, yeah, right? It's, because yeah, it's good because I want to be like, I love this photo. I want to like favorite it or something. Yeah, star it or love it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But however, I agree completely. All right, right. Well, my recommendation is, so, you know, over here in Europe, one of the things I was looking forward to is I can appreciate all sorts of French wine and other things. And so I think I have finally discovered... Now, not the exact like bottle and vintage, but I've discovered the type of wine that both my wife Kim and I like. And that is, we like a Merlot Cabernet mix. And here's a bottle that we have discovered that we really like. And it is the, like, I'm showing it here. It is the Chateau Le Fleur Piret. Now, I took <laughs> French for a couple of years in high school and I cannot pronounce French, but it is a very, like, it's a very, like, good mix like it's kind of subtle right and it also has like slight woody or oaky taste to it but it's right there in the pocket right it's not too 
now is in the pocket is that a sports term brandon mm, i think so i think we can go with it yeah yeah it's football so, right yeah right in the pocket uh-huh. so so it's not too smooth right and it's not too harsh it's right there and so like find yourself wherever you may be whether you're in like uh, australia south africa america europe Asia, I don't know. Find yourself a Merlot Cabernet blend and just explore that. And you can find like, I don't want to call it mellow, but I want to call it like the perfect kind of like sort of like flavor to have that, that you might want to have. And this, this vintage or whatever it is that you, the vineyard that we have, that's, the, that's what we like. But you should try that out. So as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. Now, you might have noticed that Matt had to drop off and he didn't give a recommendation. So he left one word for his recommendation, which I think summarizes the past two years of our life, his recommendation. And I would like to note now, Brandon, can you take note of this? That I'm noting we often do not leave a period or any punctuation at the end of our, it says bullet point, Brandon colon space, Apple photo widget, there is no, no punctuation there. Now, sure. I used to go in when I edited the podcast, which I am totally grateful that you do. Yep. I, I say thank you after we record every single time, right? Sure. Can't confirm. Yep. I would go in and fucking add a period to that because it would drive me crazy. So anyways, Matt has left without a period after it. I think a, a fantastic summary of the past two years, <clears throat> Hades. That's his recommendation for this episode. So... <laughs> we'll get him to explain I, it later i don't know what it means either but okay yeah sure. I, 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 I i think we can join him in in summarizing the last two years and say fuck that shit hades can go fuck himself right like we do not enjoy that and if you want to see the show notes you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 336 and with that we'll see everyone next time bye bye all right now let's talk about uh, a really important subject here. So grammar. Okay. So one in markup because of uh, what's his name? What's his face that created markup uh, over John in uh, Apple got right. So it's like, so in the headers, right. It is illegal markup to put a colon at the end of the, he- like a list, right? Like it, it, really? it gives you the red squiggly thing. Right. Huh. Okay. And okay. I looked into this. They say it's unnecessary because it's implied. Because I think, but I think when you make a list, it's like mm. list colon yeah. dot, 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 right? Okay. Yeah. So now my question, now without that colon, maybe this, uh, so let's just take our recommendation stuff here. It's like, we'll just take the first one. Brandon colon Apple widget. Like, so what you're saying is there should be a period there. And that, is a, set, and that is a sentence. Brandon, I guess subject colon mm. noun Period. Is that a sentence? Because I didn't hold, think it hold, was a hold sentence. Hold on, hold on, hold I on. I didn't think that's why I think there's a period there. I, I, I mean, I, I see where you're going, Brandon. This is fine, right? And <laughs> and like, so, I legitimately don't know. Like, this is an area where like I mm. I would not do well at. Like, I don't know. I mean, but so go ahead. All, all right. Let, let let me give you a bunch of disclaimers before I give you my answer. One. Okay. Like, I only have a minor in English. I only needed like a three. I I have no degrees in English. I only needed one more class, right? However, it was going to be one of those seminar classes where you had to like sit Uh, for a full Mm -hmm. semester with a bunch of people and talk about shit. And I had done that so many times. I was like, fuck this shit. I am (laughs) sick and goddamn tired of hearing what other people have to say. 
right? Like <laughs> I was done, right? And so that's like, why I'm I, sw- done. I switched to okay. philosophy. All right, so, that's fine. I don't know. I only have a minor. Now, that said, the way you ask the question like reveals the flaw in the question, which is we do not need to compose a full sentence for a bullet point, right? Like right. Correct. The, o- the other thing of a period is a period is a terminator, right? Like, mm-hmm. which is not to say like, I'll be back or whatever, but it ends the thing. Right. And so like when you have a bullet point, you put a period at the end because it's like this bullet point is done. Right. Like, right. It's, it's just done. Now, one could say, but doesn't the next bullet point or a uh, ending the, Implied, the bullet yeah. point list imply uh-huh. that? That's true, right? So you can actually, it is acceptable style to have bullet points with no period at the end. So I just prefer that when you have bullet points, you end it with a period or a question mark, right? Mm, okay. That's what I like. It, it just uh-huh. feels like, and again, this is all just like, aesthetics and personal well it's like oxford comma right it's like being explicit right it's like you're being explicit yeah i see what you're saying i also like i always forget which the oxford comma is that you have one before before, and right before the and right you like that i'm I'm totally totally Oxford comma. yeah i'm not i'm like i'm really not i don't ever use the oxford comma like if i used it it was it was an error it was by accident like i mistyped something now now let, let me ask let me ask you this where do you stand on period or punctuation inside a quotation mark you see i believe um that i guess my natural belief is that if you're finishing a quote and that's the end of the sentence that i would prefer if you put the quote like to signify the quotation is done and then the period after the quote Right. Which I understand is not right. Like no one, no one agrees with that. That's what programmers like. And the style, or I guess it's not even a style. I mean, I think it's just grammatically incorrect is what like, I don't know who, who actually legislates the English language anymore, but like, as I understand it, that is grammatic. But every time I have to end, because there's not a period at the end of the quote, like you're always like, well, like I'm, I feel like I'm changing the quote, you know, cause I'm like, it's like a pull quote, but like, that's the end of my, my sentence. So so, so therefore, to answer your question, I guess I just do what the the people tell me that you do. You know, quote if there, if that's the end of my sentence, I do period, then I put quotation. Now, do, is there another form of this that no, I can no, do? No, no, that that's that's the only correct thing to do. <laughs> but is there not like is there another? You you, you seem to your question seemed to apply. Yeah, to yeah. Other I, 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 th- I think I think I think computer people really like putting the period outside of the quotation mark, right? Like I think. That is that is a thing among because them. it feels more correct though. It's like they That's didn't right. say yeah. the period. Yeah. Like they, right. like you are saying that, but it's definitely no exactly. one believes. No one that is in the realm of like copy editing believes that's correct. No one's ever said to me like. Oh, that's fine, but you know, but you're kind of expressing what I think is interesting. You because you're kind of you're. I'm, I'm gonna say you know your your English training is like more sophisticated, and I think when you get kind of your level. Like you're, you're kind of expressing like, Hey, I, I use language to express myself and the punctuation. I'm going to use it in a way that best expresses my thoughts. I don't care. Like I, and therefore like you're at the level where like, you feel like I will make it work for my thoughts and my expression exactly. separate from like, let's say that's right. That's high right. school or freshman English where they're like, that's wrong. That's a comma splice or that's a run on sentence or that's it. You know? So I think, you know, it's like, I'm still like kind of more the level like I I try to like color within the lines and that's yep, and that's yep. sort of like 
And so that's kind of actually the thing here. I was like, I don't know. I don't remember like people telling me I needed a period at the end of my my bullet. They were like, yeah, I'd only yeah, do it if it was yeah. a sense. But I, I was like, as yeah, I recall, it, it, there was no points off in English for that. I don't know. Maybe so, there were. So you see uh, Rex Roof here. He has expressed the completely logical and I totally accept his position, right? That if if there is a, let's see, uh, because it started before the parents. Yeah. Like, like so if, if, if you... This is where it gets complicated, right? Like if you were to say, and then I heard the person say, quote, and I've even like, let's see if the streamers can figure out my punctuation mess up there. I've even heard the person say, quote, I don't know where to put the period in a quotation, close quote, period. Right. And so like, I get that if you, if you thought like, this is a whole sentence, right. And there's a quotation within the sentence there's a narrator who is saying the sentence with a quotation in it. And therefore, when the, when the sentence terminates, the period belongs to the narrator, not the person being quoted. I can feel that. That makes sense. However, I'm still going to put the period inside the fucking quote. <laughs>